0: Last year was a year of a lot of ups and downs for me. You know, there's professionally, there's always brand new challenges. We kicked off something called the Gutenberg project and, and, uh, in core WordPress automatic hired, you know, over 160 people. So, um, you know, more than we've ever hired. Uh, what else? Just everything. So it was kind of one of those things that, uh, the year was really fantastic, but also, you know, had some huge challenges. I had friends who passed away. Um, so that kind of combination, uh, if you were to average out the year, maybe you'd call it like a seven, but it had lots of tens and lots of ones. So <laughs> uh, I'm a generally pretty even keeled person. And um, I try to always remind myself, you know, when something's going really fantastic, this isn't permanent. When something is going really tough, this is impermanent. When you're falling in love, this is impermanent. When your heart is broken, this is impermanent. So all of these things pass. And uh, remembering that is, I think, one of the things that helps me uh, both get through the good times and the bad times. The Giant Thinkers, Giant. Thinkers. Giant. Thinkers. Giant. Thinkers Podcast.
1: Hey guys, welcome to the show. I'm Ram Castillo, and in this podcast, I'm bringing to you top experts from various industries worldwide to learn from their success and to help us become better designers, creatives, and giant thinkers. G'day, Giants. Ram here. This is episode number 61. Our guest today is best known for developing the free and open source web software that is insanely popular called WordPress, which to date officially powers 30% of websites on the internet, including the New York Times, the Walt Disney Company, Sony Music, Bloomberg, BBC America, TechCrunch, Wired, PeopleMag, even Beyonce and Katy Perry's websites run on the WordPress CMS platform. A few stats that I'd like to share that I know you'll appreciate. Back in 2004, our guest was named number 16 of the 50 most important people on the web by PC World, reportedly the youngest on the list. In 2011, he was named one of the top 10 most influential people online for changing the face of the internet by Business Insider. In that same year, he was listed by Forbes 30 Under 30 for social and mobile for the impact he has made on the blogging world through open source. Some of the topics we spoke about include how he went from playing the jazz saxophone to majoring in political science to pursuing a job at CNET, how WordPress all started, his thoughts and approaches on validating a feature or functionality of a product, and his definition of good design. If you're someone who is interested in the journey of product design and creating a massively disruptive global company, then this episode is for you. Now before we begin, I'd like to briefly mention an app that I use every single day that I know you'll love too. Because if you're like me, you've found yourself with a continuously growing list of books that you want to read, or worse, you've bought books and haven't touched them since purchasing them. Well, I'm excited to let you know that our friends at Blinkist have solved this dilemma once and for all. What if I told you that you could get the key learnings from the top four books you've been putting off reading in the time it would take you to finish this podcast? And I'm not talking about listening to audiobooks at three times their normal speed. Blinkist is the only app that takes thousands of the best-selling non-fiction books and distills them down to their most impactful elements so that you can read or listen to them in under 15 minutes all on your phone. I personally like to listen to Blinkist in the morning, usually while I'm having my breakfast, Also, when I'm on my way to the office, so for you, that might look like driving in the car, riding a train, bus, or walking to work. The beauty is that you can listen anytime and anywhere that's most convenient to you. Now, the Blinkist library is huge, from timeless classics like Think and Grow Rich to bestsellers like Robert Cialdini's book titled Influence, The Psychology of Persuasion, and Tim Ferriss' The 4-Hour Workweek. In fact, all of Tim Ferriss's books are on Blinkist, including Tools of Titans. My personal recommendation is to check out Start With Why by Simon Sinek and The 7 Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. Blinkist is constantly curating and adding new titles from the best of lists, so you're always getting the most powerful ideas in a made-for-mobile format. Five million people are using Blinkist to learn efficiently, 15 minutes at a time, and you can too. So to kickstart you off, they have an extremely generous offer of 25% off for the Giant Thinkers listeners. Head to giantthinkers.com slash Blinkist to start your free trial or get three months off your yearly plan when you join today. If you do decide to purchase the yearly plan to be completely transparent, it works out to be $5 a month. And if my math is right, that's $0.16 cents a day. So once again, that's giantthinkers.com slash Blinkist. Head there to start your free trial or get three months off your yearly plan. And the 25% off is automatically applied when you head to giantthinkers.com slash BLI. N-K-I-S-T, or click the link on the write-up of this episode to activate it. Alrighty, let's get stuck in, and I must add, this interview does get better and better as it progresses, so those of you that listen to its entirety will get the most out of it. I present to you the down-to-earth, genuine, and highly accomplished Matt Mullenweg. Matt Mullenweg, welcome to the Giant Thinkers podcast. I'm so excited to have you on the show, mate. How are you, my friend? I'm doing fantastic. How about yourself? I'm doing great. I'm super excited because I actually, uh, it might not be a surprise, but I actually run uh, Giant Thinkers on WordPress um, way back when oh. I set up in yeah 2012, 2013. Um, so naturally, I'm pumped to chat with you. So first off, Matt, I have an icebreaker question for you. What was the first car you owned, and what uh, do you drive now? Assuming, uh, if you do, of course, drive um, as one of your modes of transportation. Hmm, Good question. Um, I in Houston,
0: you get a car kind of as soon as as soon as you can. Like when I was sixteen, but I think I had two or three in quick succession that just kind of broke down really quickly, probably because they were only like a couple hundred bucks. So the one that I ended up getting, that I actually still have today, I drove it out to San Francisco, was a Chevy Lumina, 1998. Right. Nice.
1: And uh, yeah, I still drive that in San Francisco, which is pretty fun. Amazing. Uh, mate, so where would you say your expertise lies?
2: My expertise? Um, hmm.
0: I consider myself a beginner or novice at many things. Uh so maybe it's keeping an open mind. Um, I've had a good kind of a good track as well. Um, hiring, I guess is a good way to put it, or maybe a better way to put it is um, choosing people with whom to work with. I consider myself very lucky that a lot of the partners that I started Automatic with 13 years ago are still working, still working alongside each other today. So um and I feel like there's been a lot less drama, certainly in my professional life, uh, from choosing good partners.
1: Awesome. I'd love to dive into uh, a bit of that uh, in, a, in a second. Uh, but for a bit of context, it'd be great to know a little about your childhood and how you grew up.
0: Oh, well, I was born and raised in Houston, Texas, which is actually where I'm talking to you from today. Um, childhood. Uh Pretty normal family. You know, mom, dad. My sister was 10 years older, so she was the cool one. <laughs> you know, I, I kind of followed in her footsteps for everything because uh, she was so much older. And then I also just really wanted to be like my dad. Like I used to, my dad would mow the lawn. I would follow him and like, with like a little toy lawnmower. I um, played saxophone because my dad played saxophone in high school. So all those things were kind of inspired by my parents. And um, Trying to think what else. Would ride my bike around the neighborhood. My grandmother was a real estate agent. So a lot of I have lots of cousins in kind of the neighborhood. Because the grand uh my mom's mom kinda set up all her children in like a a mile or two square radius. And um trying to think what else. So I went to I really loved music from a young age. And um then started getting the technology again back to my father. Uh, he did computer stuff at oil companies and so you know it was always fun to me he was always tinkering with with a car or fixing something around the house or you know playing around with computers and he'd teach me a lot as he went
1: along fantastic do you still play the the jazz saxophone isn't it um you, do you still play that from time to time these days i still can i haven't played too much this year i but i do noodle around
0: like on the piano and other things um just when I get like a a musical bug in my ear,
1: and and who influenced you to pick up that instrument out of out of all the instruments that you had? Because I know you studied it in, in high school. Is that correct?
0: Oh yeah, saxophone. Like I said, was because my father
1: played it. Ah, so got it.
0: Please. I started, I think, in like second or third grade, and then um, got pretty got more serious in middle school, and then I ended up going to a performing arts high school uh, where you know you spend couple of hours a day on an art area, which for me was saxophone. And then before I moved to San Francisco, that kind of first year or two when I was still in Houston, and actually last year of high school, uh, I would play gigs around town. and It's actually
1: how I paid probably more than half my rent was from uh, music wow. gigs. And how did you go from uh, majoring in political science, and uh, that was at the University of Houston, and and how did you go from there to dropping out and then pursuing a job at CNET Networks? I don't think um, uh, you know, it's it's a a common uh, story that you hear where someone studies political science and then they've gone to, you know, coding side of things. Talk us through that process in your life.
0: Well, I had started coding in high school, uh, making websites for local musicians. So it actually kind of derived and came from the music side of things. Um, then kind of that first year of college was when WordPress started. I was 19. And so started uh, collaborating with Mike Little and other folks around the world on making uh WordPress and getting those first versions out. And, um, because I kind of made websites for people, had a good skill set where I could, you know, do just a little bit of design, bit of code, bit of writing, bit of documentation, bit of everything, bit of support. And, uh, so that kind of, a little bit of everything, generalist approach uh, is really helpful, especially when you're getting started. And when you know, there's only a few people versus later when you can specialize more. So uh, yeah, I mean, political science was just, I think that's where the most interesting teachers were at the University of Houston, where I went. Um, I remember one in particular named uh, Professor Ross Luntz, who's passed away now, but was just amazing, amazing teacher. And so that's probably why I drifted towards it. And I love history and studying the classics and things. So, uh, the move to San Francisco was a result of, I had visited uh, my friend Chelik over the summer and just hung out in San Francisco, went to like a web standards meetup and <laughs> visited a bunch of companies and things. And because WordPress was really starting to get some traction then, uh, I started to get job offers from a number of these companies that I'd visited. And the most interesting one was, um, was CNET because as a media company, they really kind of understood the the CMS space where if I had gone to something like Google, they probably just would have stuck with the blogger team and they never got too much love.
2: Exactly.
0: But CNET um, yeah. with the kind of deep history of CMS stuff uh, was a really interesting place to learn and develop WordPress.
1: And so you were, if I can understand this correctly, you you were coding... Uh, out of your own interest, you uh, were doing it uh, on the side um, as you were studying in high school and university. And then what tipped the balance for you to basically drop out and uh, discontinue your university studies? Um, And how did that go about? Because I think a lot of listeners anyway, um, maybe in that situation, or, um, you know, I've certainly been in that situation myself. how did you navigate that decision?
2: It was certainly a tough one. Um, my parents always, you know, emphasized education, and my father in
0: particular worked really, really hard to go to Ashland University of Houston, so the same college I was going to. Um, but at the point when he was going, he had already had my sister <laughs> and was like, you know, working two jobs and was working really, really hard to be able to go. So I considered my uh, ability to attend in a much uh, less stressful
2: fashion, like a huge privilege. Part of what tipped the scales were that, you know, I had a community in Houston
0: of folks who were into like Linux and Wi-Fi and technology and and things like that, but um, it was kind of a smaller community. And in San Francisco, it seemed like it was the entire city, you know? People who loved web standards and, and building things online just as much as I do. And uh, then the job offer from CNET was really great. You know, it was a great salary. They were going to move me out. And uh, CNET was a public company. So kind of helped assuage, particularly my mom's worries that, you know, they had health insurance and they were a real company. And like I had a great office and things like that. So uh, that was when uh, she and I had gotten that aforementioned Chevy Lumina and drove across the country to San Francisco.
1: Awesome, and so when you started WordPress, uh, can you paint a bit of a picture for us? Um, how did that idea of WordPress come about? Um, and, and that's kind of the first part of that question. Um, uh, the second half is the current state of WordPress now, is, is it much different to the first iteration way back in you know 2005, I think it was? Oh yeah, it's almost
0: unrecognizable because what? the software has mm. iterated so much, you know, and evolved so much. So in the beginning, you know, blogging, WordPress didn't invent blogging or make content management or anything. In fact, many people thought we were very late to the scene. Um, blogging had really been pioneered by, call it, Dave Weiner with, um, I think it was called Userland, and then of course Blogger from Ev Williams, and um, and for me, the idea really came from. I was using some existing open source software called B2 Cafe, uh, B2 Cafe Log. And it was an open source project. I was a contributor to it and I volunteered on the forums. And, uh, but it, it kind of ceased development. So myself and this other gentleman named Mike Little, who is in the United Kingdom, uh, picked it up and continued the developments. And so we technically, in open source, it's called forking the project. Um, and as is polite and open source, when you fork something, you change the name. So we we renamed it into WordPress, wow. which was something a, a friend in Houston named Christine had suggested. So that was kind of the genesis of it. And um, so the big, first version of WordPress was just a, like B2 plus some changes. Uh, where it evolved from there was um, in a pretty different direction. So we created a plugin system and a theme system so people could do extensions to the software. Um there was you know it became a CMS so it, it could manage all the content on your website, not just not just a blog. And then the plugins and themes allowed like entire applications to be built on WordPress. So it really evolved into more of a platform. And then of course all of this was fifteen years ago. So, you know, um, just you know, the code base has probably been rewritten three or four times since then. Um and almost like a ship of Theseus fashion where it gets rebuilt as you're on the journey. And uh, today WordPress really enables, uh, it's hard to really summarize because people use it so uniquely and for so many different types of sites. It's, uh, it's kind of really just amazing and inspiring.
1: And for those that are coding enthusiasts that might be listening or uh, interested in code or they might be quite experienced, uh, what soft, uh, so you, there was the, the base uh, uh, B two um, software um, that you that you had to work with, and and what's the the coding language that you used back then, and and what do people need to know now to best perhaps customize uh, the CMS?
0: So I first learned I probably learned some languages in school, and then probably the first language I got serious about was Perl, um, but then I found PHP and much preferred it. And PHP is the base language of WordPress. Um, in more recent years, we've become to become much more JavaScript-heavy. So we'll use PHP to power the API side, the server side, and then JavaScript to power the user interface because then you can create something really rich, fast, kind of like Gmail, you know? And um, so those are the two that we're based on. Mm-hmm. If you're just starting fresh, JavaScript is not a bad place to start. And um, I've heard a number of people that have had good luck with uh, Code Academy, which is kind of an online website where you can it'll teach you from the ground up how to how to program yeah, and even exactly. if you don't think you want to be a developer, I think it's really excellent to learn the basics of programming, and if you do it in javascript you'll you'll be able to do some fun stuff on the web. Um, if you learn a bit of JavaScript, a bit of HTML, a bit of CSS, it's just um, it teaches you a way of thinking that I believe is useful regardless of what, uh, what your day to day role is. And I certainly use many of the, I feel like skills I developed, um, from programming in my job today, which, you know, running a company of 700 people and, and managing a WordPress open source project. I'm not, I'm not coding very much day to day, but I still knowing how to think like as a developer would is, uh, probably one of the most valuable skills I have. Yeah, and we can put that back under the expertise column,
1: for sure. And I completely agree with that. Um, you know, it, uh, as a for myself, a formally trained graphic designer, uh, completed that in two thousand and four. Uh, and as the emergence of uh, developers and coders uh, were the norm when you were working through the gates uh, at agencies and studios and um, companies. Uh, just sitting down and chatting with them of what's possible or how things work. It just takes your ideas uh, another easily 15 to 20%. Um, and and I think it makes such a difference to collaborate with developers if, if you don't know coding um, directly. Um, and recently on the show, we actually had uh, Ryan Carson from Treehouse and there are so many um, awesome coding schools out there. Um, so I highly recommend even just doing a basic course uh, online. Um, awesome. Yeah. So uh, I just wanted to kind of insert uh, while we're talking about this topic of, of you kickstarting this whole um, platform back then. Did when did the revenue modeling or the thoughts around making profit from this thing come about? And how did you um, go through that process?
2: Well. It's a little tricky to think about because
0: uh, I always just assumed as WordPress got started, I wasn't really planning to make any money from WordPress. i just make money from like consulting and programming, and then WordPress would be the fun thing. Uh, It became more obvious over time, though, that for WordPress to really grow as much as to kind of realize its potential, it needed a commercial side of it that was enabling, say, big businesses to adopt it or creating the services that didn't exist out there, but the world needed. Uh, Akismet, our anti-spam service, being a good example. So about a year into my Cnet job, I left to form Automatic, which is the company where myself and about 700 people all around the world work. We're very much an open source-centric company, so the vast majority of what we produce, including WordPress.com, Jetpack, and WooCommerce, is all open source. And um, we contribute. Uh, we have about twenty-five or thirty people that work full-time, and not even on the commercial side of automatic, but just contributing to the open-source side of WordPress. So, um, I guess the, the idea of commercializing it was just more like, "Hey, I love working on this, and you know, would love to be able to do it full-time." Okay, once I get to there, uh, how can I enable other people <laughs> to do this thing that I love as well, which is like basically work on WordPress full-time.
1: Yeah. And um, I think that's such a huge point because a lot of the listeners and I certainly get loads of messages from people saying, uh, what's my advice for starting an app or starting a uh, you know an online tool of some sort. Um, and it always seems to lead back to being hindered by something around money and funding mm. or, or sustaining sustainability um, financially. Um, is there any advice that you have for those that are looking to make money from perhaps their software or app or tool?
2: Hmm. I mean, the best thing is just to listen to your users or your clients. Um, I know that sounds like
0: kind of, really simple, but over and over again, even from those early days, our most successful parts of our business has been like, well, what are people telling us they want to do, or even better yet, what are they doing already? And like, a really hard way that we can make easier. And uh, there's a commercial opportunity there. Yeah. I've always found, I mean, people want to, if they get a lot of value out of something, uh, they want to support it. So, maybe that's the other side of it, is like, create as much value for people as possible because then it then it becomes that much easier to uh to for them to want to give a little bit of it back
1: yeah it's 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 a recurring um uh, thought in in uh my head as well um that I'm sure that goes through many others it's if if it's good it's good you know it's it there's yeah. no faking um pain points and if it's good and if it's removing someone's pain points uh enough to pay for um You know, I just look at all the things that I pay for on a recurring basis, and I'm still so happy to pay for those. And and it's kind of like, well, it's making my life easier in some way, Um, whatever it might be. Um, So for those that might be unfamiliar, can you describe Automatic, uh, the role it plays and the products, because there are many that link underneath the umbrella of Automatic uh, which, of course, includes WordPress, among many others. Sure. Um, so, yeah, Automatic
0: is a, a distributed company, so meaning that people work from home all over the world, uh, whose objective is to make the web a better place. Uh, we do that through, one, making WordPress more accessible to people through WordPress.com, which is a service that you know, tries to make it hassle-free to run a great website or blog. Um, for people who don't use WordPress.com, we have a product called Jetpack, which if you have a WordPress, please install Jetpack. Uh, it makes it much, much better and faster and more visible in Google and lots of things. And then finally, um, our other big leg is called WooCommerce, which is an add-on for WordPress, which transforms it into an online store. So you can sell things online, do shipping Uh, allow people to book appointments, like almost anything you can do around commerce online can be done with WooCommerce. And uh, we're very, very excited. That's one of the most exciting parts of the business to me. So those are the three main legs of our business. And um, we've been doing this about 13 years. So Automatic started in 2005. And I'm the CEO. I work with a number of super, super talented people. And I hope to continue to do it for many decades to come.
1: Amazing. Yeah, we actually had on, uh, and I mentioned this to you, um, we had on uh, a good friend of mine, uh, Ashley Axios. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. So she, uh, of course, is um, uh, working with uh, you guys, um, Automatic. Um, and uh, she uh, suggested um, that I get in touch with you and, and I've been wanting to chat with you for so long um, <laughs> a huge fan of your work um, so uh, I'm glad that the uh, cool. the crossover finally happened um, and and thank you Ashley yeah thanks to Ashley uh, for sure uh, now would you say that okay so someone's wanting to start a website uh, what's the what's the ease factor of installing and starting a wordpress uh site amongst what's existing out there um many options but what would you say to someone that uh is deciding between wordpress and others um and a and a factor of their decision would be um I have no idea about cms at all I've never tried <laughs> it um what would you say to them
0: <laughs> well i would say to come to wordpress.com and try it out
1: it's free so Um,
0: and even if you want to pay on sign up, there's a very liberal, no questions asked, just click a button, 30 day refund policy. So you can go get a domain and sign up. And part of the whole thing we work on is making it really easy and accessible for everyone. So you don't have to be a, you know, programmer of any sort to use it. Uh, and one reason to choose WordPress is that no matter how successful you are or how big you get, WordPress can grow with you. So WordPress powers. Like I said, you can start it in about a few minutes on WordPress.com. It also powers some of the largest websites in the world, um, including major media. Like, um, if you follow politics, you probably know 538 or, uh, the New Yorker or, or wired.com or, uh, the New York Post, like huge, large websites. They get tons of traffic. People.com for People Magazine, uh, are all on WordPress as well. So it can work from a very small and simple site to one that's, as successful as you can imagine.
1: Mm. And uh, of course, uh, your good friend and who I'm an avid fan of, uh, Tim Ferriss, uh, runs his uh, blog and, and operations through WordPress too. Um, yeah, tim.blog. It's a yes. fantastic blog and podcast.
2: Yeah.
0: One of my other favorites uh, that has a on WordPress is uh, Farnam Street. So that's fs.blog. And um, man, that's a really good site too. If you like Tim, you'll, you'll definitely enjoy that one
1: amazing i was i was going to ask uh, you know what what do you uh regularly read because i'm uh a, a regular reader of your um blog uh, posts and and i'll pull out one that really stood out recently f- uh for the listeners in in a question here um but uh cool i'll check that out fs. uh blog was it Dot, dot blog yeah just that like blog. tim has tim.blog those awesome. so
0: um you know i just saw tim last night he's a uh, i learn something every time i see him and um <laughs> And it's funny, even as his friend, I check out his podcast and read his posts and
1: things like that. So <laughs> Yeah. I'm uh I'm probably hmm, maybe ten years easily now, um, a, uh, a follower of him. Uh, uh and and he really changed my life with his book um for our work week back then. Um it's uh He's an, an amazing guy and, and uh, I, I hope to one day get him on the show here. Um, I think he'll, he'll add incredible value. Uh, but I know he's, uh, he's doing many things and he's, in, um, he's now in, uh, he's moved away from San Fran, hasn't he, to, he was mentioning. Yeah,
0: I, I think I can say that he's been following me. So he's a Texan now as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> Spot on. So. Um so you mentioned WooCommerce right you mentioned um uh Jetpack and you and there are a whole bunch of other things um that are under the umbrella and within WordPress um there are many different features Is there a process or technique you commonly use to validate a feature or functionality of a product
2: hmm. Could you maybe ask that differently
1: Yeah is is there uh, a technique that you um, you or your team use
2: to, to score
1: the uh, quality of that feature or validity of that feature, um, whether you are including it or deleting that feature from from a product um so take take for example um a default setting of wordpress um Mm -hmm. what makes you decide to keep it in or to include or to add um i know you mentioned speaking to the users um Mm -hmm. i mean is it a case of brutally getting tons of data for instance, or is there something else that, you know, what if what if you know that it is a feature that they need, but maybe the data doesn't show it? Is there another way that you validate? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, thanks
0: for rephrasing the question. It's, it's honestly one of the hardest things in software development, or I think in product development in general. Um, because like you said, sometimes the data doesn't show what people don't know they need yet.
1: Exactly.
0: <laughs> or maybe your first version isn't going to be good, but version four and five will be good, but you still have to ship that first version in order to get to version four or five. Oh,
1: yeah, so what do you so, do? Uh,
0: it's as much art as science. So mm. we try to blend being uh, data-informed as much as possible. So definitely using instrumentation and metrics to you know, help you learn. Um. But we try to pair that with just strong convictions, meaning that uh, myself or a designer or just a product owner, really anyone, if they really, really believe in something, we look for a way to try it out and see if there's a way we can explore that direction and see what happens. Mm. (laughs) Uh, Usability tests, you know, you mentioned watching users, are definitely one of the most eye-opening things. And a version of that, that actually everyone in Automatic does, is whenever someone joins the company, um, no matter what the position is, actually, uh, just this week, uh, a gentleman named Kinsey Wilson is joining. He was previously head of digital at, um, at New- NPR and New York Times. So he's very, very, very senior. He's going to be taking over WordPress.com. He's starting with three weeks of support, just like everyone else. And then everyone in the company also loops back to do a week of support at least once per year. So, you know, user tests more formally or just doing support and answering tickets and helping people can be incredibly enlightening for seeing where there's uh, what we sometimes call lacuna or a different way of saying blind spots um, for how you think
1: about the product. Yeah, that's great. That's really helpful. Um, now let's uh, jump to... Uh, the listeners who are looking to, um, because what we're really talking about here, a lot to do with with problem solving. And I think no matter what discipline you are in design uh, or creativity, uh, there is certainly um, the need to uh, do all these things we're talking about, you know, test, iterate, uh, and solve um, concerns and issues. Uh, What do you think designers can do more of less or or you know do, do more of or or less of rather in the next six months, let's say, to increase their ability to problem solve? Mm,
0: this would be a good question for Ashley or, or John Maida, two of my colleagues. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this isn't totally specific to designers, but I think it's one of the best things to invest in is you know, there's no such of a thing as a good design that, that doesn't also move metrics, right? So, by definition, um, a successful design needs to move the needle on something. And something can be defined in different ways. The same way is like if you're not, if you have something that you believe is the right design, but you can't convince other people to go along with it, that means you're presenting it or not communicating it in the right way. So that's part of how you need to present things. So that kind of communication, understanding the business side, understanding the kind of the context of where design is going to live, I think is just as important as all the rest of it. And the folks who I certainly love working with and going back to again and again are those who can uh, take something, however specific or vague, and transform it, uh, really understanding the context of where it's going to work, how it's going to work, who's going to use it, and then I guess finally, I, I definitely prefer working with people who are on the quicker or faster side because <laughs> all things being equal, the speed of iteration is,
1: is usually what drives success in many, many products. Mm, fantastic. Yeah. So there you go. To get to those listening, uh, the business side of things I think is super important. Uh, I completely agree. Um, a lot of the times when I first started out, I remember I had all these Crazy ideas, and I thought that they were super creative, but then none of them were feasible or viable from a business uh, side. And I think that's where that's where a lot of um, the modules that I didn't get <laughs> when studying um, were lacking. You know, uh, so for mm. sure, if, if designers can can think more about the business and the strategy as well um, is important. And then yeah, just getting getting quick. And I think one of the best ways to get quick is to just, it's conditioning, isn't it? It's like just putting yourself out there, giving yourself some time constraints and uh, working well under pressure, all those good things. Um, <laughs> which I'm sure you, know, you yeah. If you, it.
0: if you look at it, a lot of the innovation, a lot of the most interesting things comes from the intersection of disciplines. So if you're a designer, read as much about other things that aren't design, in addition to what you're gonna do by default, which is learning about design. Um, Because it's really understanding that intersection. And if you can pick up, call it, the three or four most important concepts from psychology, from marketing, from business, from accounting, from all these other areas, you don't need to learn everything in them. But if you can get like the couple of things that are the most important in lots of different fields, you'll become, it's like a superpower.
1: Agreed. It's the uh, embracing of being a hybrid in a way. Um, and uh, I think a lot of people fear not being a specialist in one thing. But I don't know, I kind of. I think it's really important to, to know, as you said, uh, a bit about uh, everything um, as much as you can, because it's only going to make your uh, perspective widen. I've heard it called T-shaped. So you're deep on one area
0: and then shallow on a very wide area.
1: Mm, Well put, well put. So Matt, you uh, mentioned you're a company with almost, well, yeah, I'm sure it's around the 700, right? 700 employees, Mark. um, Your employees work from anywhere. You're based in 63 plus countries. um, So so I've read, what key considerations or advice would you have For other organizations, perhaps looking to operate as a distributed company like yours, rather than being siloed, operating as a centralized one? Oh,
2: um, well, I would say it's best if you start
0: at the beginning. So actually, a lot of the most interesting new startups that I hear of actually start distributed from from the very start. And it's great because then you kind of build it into your DNA and you figure out how to collaborate and work in a distributed fashion, which isn't easier or harder than being in an office. It's just different, to be honest. There's some advantages, some disadvantages, but it it kind of it's about the same amount of work, I think. <laughs> and uh and then you're not trying to switch things down the road. Mm. Uh, the big advantages are of course being able to work with the most talented people all over the world, regardless of where they are. So your kind of access to talent is, it's hard to imagine, but it's like a thousand X what a Google or Facebook has because they're only gonna uh, work with people who work in their offices. So if you do what they're not doing, you'll get access to just the most incredible people in the world. And I think it's also really great for uh, sort of building in some diversity and different ways of thinking from the very beginning. So in addition to just having, you know, in the U.S. we talk about these things a lot, just having people from different places in your office in San Francisco, uh, being able to work alongside people literally living today in 63 different countries just brings a different perspective, which I think makes everything you do uh, much better as a business, as a company.
1: Yeah. And so I think there's the want for that in in a lot of organizations. However, I think there's there's that fear of, oh, is that person really working? Um, How are we measuring their impact? Um, How do you, I guess, what would you say to that? Um, Those fears and concerns. It's kind of like you know there are so many traditional companies looking at the bottom line all the time, um, really um, measured, Um, and in this flexible way of working. People are going to, it's a lifestyle choice. You know, they'll work when they're most um, motivated. They'll work when they're most productive. They'll work when they are uh, most available. And that might be any time. Is it about having tight uh, milestones and, 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 and clear visibility of trafficking the work and the tasks that that employee does? Um, how do you how do you kind of manage all that? Hmm.
0: Well, I guess it's important to note that just because people are distributed doesn't mean they can't have a schedule, hmm. right? So, um, I think the question, "Is this person really working?" is excellent to ask. <laughs>
2: yeah,
0: and if you know your listeners ask that wherever they may work, you might realize that are they sitting in a desk between these hours is actually not a good, <laughs> uh, you know correlation or indicator of, is that person necessarily working or doing a great job? So, but if you ask that question, are they working, um, you'll probably come up with a list of 10 or 20 other things for whatever role it might be. That is much more indicative of their impact on your customers and your business than, you know, do they get an early uh, leave, late, or look like they're working. (laughs) So, yeah, I, I feel like, you know, for any role in Automatic is their working question. If they're doing support, you look at their interactions with the customers. If they're uh, writing code, you look at the code mm-hmm. <laughs> and their interactions with their colleagues. Almost anything you can kind of think of like, well, what's the actual work? And is that being produced?
1: Yeah. And do you think uh, that this model is feasible and, and appropriate for all verticals? Or do you think that mm, it's probably... You know this remote based working um, is is only um, gonna work well for for types of services I mean it's certainly
0: easy to imagine a job like let's say I was actually going to say personal training, but I guess people do that online now too, but mm. let's say personal training, so you want the person to like actually hold the weight for you or like spot you when you're lifting weights or something like that. so let's say that that's gonna be in person, but for Companies for whom your customers are on the internet, I mean, why can't you work on the internet as well? Mm. It's gotten really good. It's fast. You can video conference. You can have conversations like you and I are having, where it sounds like we're sitting next to each other, even though we're... I, actually, where are you in the world? I'm in Sydney,
1: Australia ah. at the moment. <laughs> so literally, I mean,
0: 6,000 miles away, half a planet away
1: yeah, uh, from I'm, where I am. I'm on the other side and of the world. It sounds,
0: you know, we could be in a restaurant in Houston and I wouldn't be able to hear you as well. (laughs) (laughs) So that's
1: kind of magical. Yes, yes, agreed. The quality is uh, insanely good. So Matt, in January 11, 2018, you wrote a blog post titled 34 on turning 34 years old. And the first line really intrigued me. You wrote, I am very thankful and grateful to have made it through the past year which was a really special one personally and professionally. Could you elaborate on that statement for us?
2: Again, what was special about last year?
1: You um you 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 wrote um in this blog post that you're you were very thankful and grateful to have made it through the past year. Mm-hmm. Um and that that how you worded that really intrigued me. Um you, you used the words, uh, made it through the past mm. year. And then you went on to say, uh, which was a really special one, personally and professionally. Um, yeah, I think that was a really interesting um, opener <laughs> um, <laughs> as, as, an, as a reflection. And it, it, it really intrigued me. So I want to know, yeah, what, what you meant by that uh,
2: opening statement. Uh, Sure. I mean, uh, I mean, last year was a year
0: of a lot of ups and downs for me. You know, there's professionally, there's always brand new challenges. We kicked off something called the Gutenberg Project and, and, uh, in core WordPress, automatic hired, you know, over 160 people. So, um, you know, more than we've ever hired. Uh, what else? Just everything. So, it was kind of one of those things that uh, the year was really fantastic, but also you know had some huge challenges. I had mm-hmm. friends who passed away, um, so that kind of combination, uh, if you were to average out the year, maybe you call it like a seven, but it had lots of tens and lots of ones. so mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I'm a generally pretty even keeled person, and um, I try to always remind myself, you know, when something's going really fantastic. This is impermanent. When something is going really tough, this is impermanent. When you're falling in love, this is impermanent. When your heart is broken, this is impermanent. So, mm. all of these things pass, and uh, remembering that is, I think, one of the things that helps me uh, both get through the good times and the bad times.
1: Yeah, beautifully put. Um, I I just bring that up because uh, part of my uh, endeavor to interview. Uh, experts and uh, you know successful people in their field like yourself Um, part of that conversation is to dissect and bring forth a very transparent uh, reality and um, a lot of the listeners who are potentially up and coming in their careers whether it's design or otherwise um, they Sometimes, you know, when we go through the Instagram feeds and the whatever uh, we subscribe to, only see one part of the story. Um, and it's important for me to bring forth the narrative that says um, life does have its ups and downs. And, you know, if you Google Matt Mullenweg, you're going to see a Wikipedia page with very successful uh, metrics and um, good things. And yeah, I just really appreciated you writing that um in 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 its truth. Um and, and how you elaborated on it was uh was really um important uh for me to to hear uh, as well. So <laughs> thank you for oh, that.
0: thanks. I try to I try to write about these things. You know,
1: my um, my friend
0: who passed away, I'm I wrote about uh wrote about that, wrote a memorial for him. So that's one of the nice things about blogging is that you can share you can share kind of both sides of it more so than like an Instagram feed. Mm. Um, and people connect with that and, you know, they connect with the vulnerability as much as they connect with, you know, kind of the fancy stuff.
1: Yeah, for sure. And, uh, please follow, uh, Matt's blog, ma.tt. Uh, it's incredibly, um, yeah, uh, interesting. It's up, uplifting. It's, um, it's real and, uh, and, uh, it's can be quite entertaining sometimes as well. (laughs) Um, So, Matt, a question uh, submitted by a listener of the show, uh, which I think is quite specific. So see how you go with this one. Um, But I think it alludes to the topic of uh, integrating emerging technologies as a whole. So he asks, will website building in the future be possible through voice? And how is WordPress thinking about that? Hmm:
2: John uh, made actually did a demo with this with one of my other colleagues, Bob. Um, I don't know
0: I, it's, it's not, I think, going to be like the most common way. Hmm. We might make it possible, but I don't think it's going to be like a a primary uh, way through which people make or consume websites.
1: Yeah, yeah, agreed. I uh. I had to preface that one um, because I, I too, was kind of like, "Mm, I think this is a good question around just integrating. um, Well, how do you integrate emerging technologies um, as a whole Uh, voice specifically? Yeah, I'm I'm not sure either how that how that could be better um, when creating uh, websites in particular. Um, But yeah, who's to really say? We'll see. We'll find out soon enough. (laughs) Um, So a few more questions for you, Matt. A question I ask all my guests. If you could travel back in time for 30 seconds and speak to your junior self, perhaps the youngster finishing high school, what would you tell him?
2: So the thing I'd probably tell him... um, is to meditate.
0: When um, when I did music a lot, that sort of focused practice uh, definitely helps your brain get good at being able to work on something very narrow, a very dedicated way, for long periods of time, hours. Uh, As as music became less of my sort of daily practice, that ability to really be completely heads down without distraction on something for hours at a time, at least I found in my adulthood has gotten harder and harder and harder. And the thing
2: that counteracts that uh, has been meditation. So I didn't discover that until, gosh, probably my 30s.
1: <laughs> so um, that's probably what I tell them. Awesome. And who has been an impactful giant thinker in your life? Uh, maybe a person who has inspired you to think bigger and dig deeper in helping you reach your full potential?
2: Oh, that is, um, that's a tough one because I really feel very
0: lucky in that many of my my friends and family have been really crucial for me and very, very supportive. Uh, I'm gonna see one of my best friends, uh, his birthday is tonight. So uh, he lives in Houston. We sat next to each other on the first day of uh, high school, we both played the saxophone and, uh, he's a firefighter now, but also a musician. And, um, you know, it's nice that, you know, 16, 17 years later, uh, we're still very good friends. In fact, better friends than we ever were. And his the entire way he lives his life is a huge inspiration to me. So that's my friend Renee. But I have many friends like that and many business associates. So it's hard to pick just one
1: yeah no doubt for sure So since
0: it's Renee's birthday, I'll say renee.
1: <laughs> yeah, awesome, Renee. Um, happy birthday. <laughs> um, what's next for you, Matt, uh, with everything you're involved in for this year? we're in 2018 um, what's happening and and you know what can we look forward to beyond that?
2: Mm. So the big thing I would say for everyone to look for is um,
0: is the upcoming a Gutenberg release. So, this is
2: going to be uh, essentially think of it like a way to create blog posts
0: and pages and entire websites where instead of like typing in, in a large box with text and everything, what you're really doing is taking blocks, almost like Lego blocks, and arranging them. So, you can put your hero image, your slider, your contact form, some text a big headline, uh, some text with a you know, background parallax image behind it. Like, I'll do all of this in a, a really easy, almost like drag and drop style way of doing things. So that is coming relatively soon. And I'm incredibly excited to share it with the world.
1: What was that called again? Gutenberg, was it, Matt? It's
0: called Gutenberg, correct. Gutenberg. Cool.
1: Awesome. Uh, and how can listeners get in touch with you online? Oh, uh,
0: so best ways to reach me are, uh, um, Photomat, P-H-O-T-O-M-A-T-T on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, I have two blogs. I update pretty regularly, mat.blog, M-A-T-T.blog and m a dot t uh, which is my main website where I write and, and the one that's come up a few times already.
1: Awesome. Thank you, Matt. Uh, I, I'm super grateful for your time and, uh, I know that you are one busy man running a company of 700 people. Um, that's certainly no small feat. So thank you for uh, hopping on the show. I know that's been a long time coming and um, hopefully this can live as a, an archive uh, artifact uh, for, for people to know more about you and coding and WordPress and, and the, the wonderful legacy that you're leaving.
0: Really appreciate it. Thanks for sharing this with the audience. I also just say one last thing, um, automatics hiring. So. There's uh, If you want to work from anywhere alongside that, um, or if you liked anything you heard, we are hiring for every single position. So, automatic.com is a great place to check that out.
1: Beautiful. I will certainly link that up uh, on the blog post when this goes out. And uh, all the best. Cheers. Giants, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to this podcast out of the many shows available to you out there. I am truly grateful for your time and I'm so incredibly blessed to receive dozens of daily messages from listeners who are impacted by the show. I do this all for you and you truly keep the show going. So thank you for your support and I will endeavor to continue to deliver you the very best. Now a little teaser for our next guest, she is an internationally renowned wellness writer, chef and content creator, and in fact is a classically trained chef cooking on the line at several restaurants, is a former TV host, former model turned wellness journalist and a 5 time best selling author. She was also the youngest chef competing on the first season of Top Chef. Elle magazine describes her as the golden girl of the wellness world, she sits on the Well and Good Council and was named one of Ariana Huffington's top 20 role models in 2017. Her mother is Japanese and her father is Polish American and I can't wait for you all to hear this, it's a fascinating interview, out very very soon. Now, before you race off, I really do encourage you to take a look at Blinkist. They've solved our challenge of wanting to read our long wish list of books that we just haven't had the time to get to, and they've done this by taking thousands of the best-selling non-fiction books and distilling them down to their most impactful elements, so we can read or listen to them in under fifteen minutes, all on your phone. Personally, I like to listen to Blinkist in the morning, during breakfast, or when I'm walking about to get some fresh air. The beauty is that you can listen during whatever time and place is most convenient to you. Now the Blinkist library is huge, from classics like Think and Grow Rich, to bestsellers like Influence, The Psychology of Persuasion, and all books by Tim Ferriss. My personal recommendation is to check out Start With Why by Simon Sinek and The 7 Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. Blinkist is constantly curating and adding new titles from the best of lists so you're always getting the most powerful ideas. I found out that 5 million people are using Blinkist to learn efficiently. 15 minutes at a time, and you can too. So to start you off, they have a very generous offer of 25% off for the Giant Thinkers listeners. If you head to giantthinkers.com blinkist, you can start your free trial or get three months off your yearly plan when you join today. If you do decide to purchase the yearly plan to be completely transparent, it works out to be $5 a month. Once again, that's giantthinkers.com slash blinkist. The 25% off is automatically applied when you head there. So go to giantthinkers.com/slash B L I N K I S T. Head there to start your free trial or get three months off your yearly plan. For any questions or queries, the best way to reach me is on Snapchat or Instagram. Send me a message via my handle, the Giant Thinker. Lastly, I'll leave you with a quote that I love from Matt who said. What are people telling us they want to do, or better yet, what are they already doing in a really hard way that we can make easier?